The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah soft made with Tencel. It's so breathable with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hi, everybody. This is Megan Judge, and you are listening to my show, Judging Megan. Um, okay. I have something to tell you. I think you guys are all going to, um, understand this because I do talk about my driving skills and how I tend to run over cones at times, um, especially during carpool. That's been something I've, I've done at least two times in carpool. And, um, so I'm fully vaccinated. Yay. And I went to the forum, which is like, it's a concert hall in Los Angeles. And this was like last week. And I went to get my final vaccination. I was super freaked out about it because some people say if you get Pfizer, you get like bad side effects and you could feel kind of sick. So I was kind of nervous about that. But as I drove into the parking lot, there were two different entrances. So one was for people that were getting COVID tests and one was for my appointment for actually getting the va- the the vaccine. So of course, I'm such an idiot. I went into the wrong line and I had to sit there for like a half an hour and like sit and wait to get a COVID test when and I couldn't get out. So I was just like trapped. So I sat there in line for a half an hour. I finally got out and the people were like, I was like, you guys, um, I'm really sorry. I'm in the wrong line. So like, can you help me? Where do I go? Where do I go to get my vaccine? So then I get out. 
of that line, these people that were like, you know, the parking people that were helping people go in the right direction were just like rolling their eyes like, oh, typical like blonde lady, you know, in the wrong line. Get out, get to the correct line. There was a million orange cones everywhere. And I, right away when I saw it, it was like, da 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 like I was so freaked out. And I see these people and it's kind of like Disneyland where they're like trafficking you in, like go this way, go that way. So of course, guess what? I ran over a cone <laughs> and and it, it was just so embarrassing. So then I'm like, sorry. And then they go to like tell me back up, go forward. I finally get to the to the place, you know, where I get the vaccine. They thankfully didn't see me do that. Got my vaccination. I'm done. I'm so happy. I cried when I got it. I think of all of the people on a serious note that have passed away from this virus. I pray for them. I think of them. I thought of them that day. I think of all the families that have lost people. And I just want to tell everyone, just go, go get your vaccine so we can stop wearing these masks. And I am going to start my show. I am lucky enough to have on my guest, Lynn Louise Larson, who actually is, I I don't know, she's like not of this world. She is somebody that I met through that app Clubhouse that I've kind of started being on where we go into like mental health chat rooms and um, and rooms for podcasters and rooms for women and supporting women. And um, I met Lynn in one of these rooms. She was a moderator. And immediately she she like told she was sharing her story because you kind of like get up on stage and you tell the, tell your story and then people come from the audience and they share their stories. And she just there was something like you know right away when somebody talks in these in clubhouse or in these rooms that there's something about this person and i knew i was supposed to connect with this person i talk about it a lot on the podcast so lynn hi thanks for coming on the podcast yeah so i love that you say that i'm not of this world because one of the things i always tell my clients is we are on this in this world not of it I love that. Lynn, why don't you tell everybody what what you do before we go into your whole story? Because I love what you do. And I think it's so cool. So I help women completely heal and let go of their past trauma so that they can step firmly into their higher purpose and design a business full of success and give themselves like manifest extreme health and wealth. And I do that through combining ancient healing and wisdom with subconscious reprogramming. The the women that I help, they've already done all the therapy. They've they're decades into their healing process and they're ready to take ownership and really deep dive into it. So that's and, who I help. And then you also have a podcast yourself. What is your podcast called? My podcast is The Cosmic Valkyrie with Lynn Louise, and I just had the launch of an episode with 
Megan Judge on it today. Isn't that so crazy? So she did my podcast. She, I did her podcast. Now she's doing my podcast. And the thing about us is she's just a lot of fun. And we're both kind of like goofballs. And like sometimes like she's the person. This is so typical me. She taught me, everyone, how to do messaging over your phone, like in the... (laughs) I taught you voice messaging. Yeah. So she was like, oh, like one day she left me one of those messages and you hit the microphone and I never even knew you before. So then she taught me that. And now every time I like want to message her something, I'm like, hey, Lynn, it's me. I'm using the microphone. Like... (laughs) It's pretty I'm, funny. I've created a monster. I know you have, but it's so great. And um, I just, I'm so grateful to know you. We're kind of new friends, but we just, we have, we have a lot in common. We're both kind of on a mission to support other women, especially, and, um, and just helping people that might be struggling with mental health issues. And, Lynn has her own story, and I think it's really important for my audience to hear it. So, Lynn, I'm just going to start out and ask you about, like, growing up and where you're from. Sure. And when you announced that, I got chills. Like, I just got this whole overbody chill because I get so excited to share my story Because one of the things that you and I do connect on is destroying that stigma that's around uh, mental health. Because I have, in the past, I had struggled very deeply with it and suicidal tendencies. I haven't had that for decades, but I popped out on this earth and I was like, I'm fucking going to change this world. I'm going to help all these people. I'm going to make everything beautiful. I'm going to create world peace. I had this big mission, this higher purpose. And at the age of 15, I was sexually assaulted by a close friend and upperclassman. And that night, my self-trust just disappeared. It was like stolen from me. And so even though my logical brain said, Lynn, it's not your fault. You didn't do that. Like you're, you didn't, it's not your fault that you got raped. Uh, you, you can trust yourself. My logic, my logical brain was telling me that my subconscious was in the background going, no, you can't, you can't trust yourself because you got in the car in the first place. So I just went around and reiterated through my whole life, validating that I could not trust myself. But what, but when you skip to the age of 15 in your younger years like what was that like did you have a happy childhood you had a great childhood where where are you from originally oh my father was one of the first men in computers i'm talking back when the first computers were in the pentagon so after he left service he would travel around and open big facilities for big corporations like you don't know who this is, but there used to be a company called Husky Oil. So he would go and implement big computer systems. So we moved around quite a bit, but I had an absolutely amazing childhood up until then. My mom, dad, siblings. Yeah, one sister. We were I was always my parents were always very supportive through my entire life. And still, you know, until the day my dad passed, my mother still supportive. Um, They were very liberal. They were uh, in a time of very conservative belief systems. 
they were not the norm. They were raising this little Aquarian girl with the belief that she could do anything and she could change the world. They always supported me in that. So you were, it sounds like you were very confident, had a, had a very happy childhood until the age of 15. And then you, you, you say you got into that, you made the choice to get into that car that night. This was a, a male upperclassman in high school, I'm assuming. Yeah, he was a senior in high school and he was a friend of mine. I trusted him. I thought I knew him and uh, I got in the car with him. And there's nothing wrong with that. I didn't do anything wrong, but I do take responsibility for getting in the car with him. That's one of the things you have to do when you're healing. You have to take yeah. responsibility for your actions. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't think about this until um, much later in my life, but I was 15 and he was 19. And he was a pedophile. A hundred percent. There's did a you, lot wrapped around that. Did you? So what was that like after that happens? Because I know a lot of times young girls, women, if they're raped, they pretend like it didn't happen. They um, think, what did I do wrong? Is this my fault? How did you deal with it in that fifth, young 15 year old body? Right. And brain. I'll Right. So a lot of the times when you're 15, you think you're so grown up. I know everything. Right. But we know in retrospect that we are very much children. And when it was happening, and sadly enough, today, women still deal with this every day. When it's somebody that you know and trust, you try and talk yourself out of that it really happened. And so you don't really talk about it to anyone. You don't tell your story because you're not sure. Like, was it really rape? Like, did it really, like, did I construe it? Did I, did I lead him on? Whatever. Like, you have all these conflicting stories in your head. And um, as a young a, adult, I don't even think I can call it young adult. There's even more of that. Like, you're just so in this, the throes of developing. So I didn't tell anybody um, I did tell my best friend, but she had her own stories at the time. She had a crush on the boy and she didn't want to believe it. So then I just shut up. And that's how I went about it. And I lived that way up until I was in university. And that's when I really started um, experiencing suicidal tendencies. I had already by that time, by the age of 17, I was already drinking, doing drugs, like treating my very promiscuous. I had unhealthy habits. And as I went into university, it just escalated. But I really want to dive into how it was affecting the personal choices that I didn't make for myself. Because what a lot of people do is we focus on what we were doing to facilitate more angst, more anxiety, more struggle, that's the drinking, that's the promiscuity, that's, you know, emotional eating. These are the things that we think about. But the things that we don't think about is when you lose your self-trust, you stop making the big decisions for yourself. So I started listening to school counselors. I listened to professors, um, therapists, all these people telling me what I should do because this is what successful people do in society. They go to university, they get a job, they work their way up the corporate ladder, they get a corner office. They get, I didn't get married 
during um, my tumultuous years like this. But, you know, you get married, you have kids. These are the things that you're taught. These are what society tells you. This is what the world tells you you're supposed to do in order to be happy. So all this time, I'm following the decisions that other people are given for me every step of the way, creating more and more unhappiness within myself because I'm developing a life that is not mine. I'm climbing the wrong mountain the entire time. So then I go, okay, well, all I have to do is make more money or find a different you know, company that aligns with my core beliefs or a city. The right city will make me happy. The right boyfriend will make me happy. So all this time, I'm looking outside myself for the things to make me happy. So you went to college. Where did you where did you go to college? In Colorado, the University of Northern Colorado. I'm actually really not surprised to hear that. I feel like you seem like somebody that's like definitely like lived in Colorado, but originally from Georgia, which I I can like exact hear. opposite. No. So I spent most of my time in the West and Midwest, like okay. Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, those areas. I graduated high school in Colorado. I went to university in Colorado. I graduated university and then I moved to Georgia. But a lot of people are like, well, then you're a Coloradoan. But the fact is, is that I spent over 23 years in Georgia, whereas in Colorado, I spent like nine Well, that's so interesting because I am originally from D.C. And to be honest, I really was only in D.C. for 16 years of my life, like and then summers. And then I was like in New York and Charleston. And then I've lived like my half my over half my life now in L.A. or like half my life in L.A. So the most part of my life I've been in Los Angeles. So I consider myself an Angelino now. So I I get what you're saying. But what I was going to say is back when you were in college, before you got into corporate America, did you ever get like any kind of help? Because I know you had said that you realized that you had been raped in college. So what, what, how did you process that? So I really knew at the time I was sexually assaulted and it wasn't the only time that it happened to me, but I knew that I was sexually assaulted. It was a given. I was just trying to deny it, right? And so I just tried to avoid my feelings. And by the time I got to university, I started experiencing incredible depression. Uh, I tried to commit suicide. So I was forced to go into um, psychiatric, for psychiatric help, I received some, um, I received a medication, that kind of stuff. Like you and I have talked about before, it's really hard to find somebody that aligns with you when it comes Mm -hmm. to mental health. And so I struggled in and out of therapy for a good decade. So I would go in, I would find somebody, I would get some help, and then I would get out, and then I would be fine for about a year and a half, two years, and then I'd be triggered, and then I'd go back in. And then I'd come out, I'd be okay, I'd get triggered, I'd go back in. And it was like this t- this thing that every time I left my sessions, like the package, I'd go like, this is it? Like, this is as good as I'm supposed to feel? This did, you, did, you, did you get diagnosed with anything ever? 
No, no, mm-hmm. just just like past. I mean, it sounds to me like it's a it's a you probably had like PTSD. I and- don't know. You know, like my thing is, is that I would go in, I would they always wanted me to tell my story and I'd be like, I'm fucking over the story already. Mm-hmm. Like I've told it. It's why am I still not happy? And I actually heard this from therapist, which was, well, you're just, if you're not happy, you're just going to have to learn how to live with it. And I'm here to tell y'all that's fucking bullshit. You can be happy. You can. I love, I love, I love the F bombs. Um, you know, it's, I've, I've talked with you about this. I, I don't know if it was on your podcast or mine or I don't know at this point, but I say this a lot, like you just brought up. So you and I bring up and talk about a lot, the, the whole journey through therapy, like you just said, and I have been through so many therapists throughout my life. And same thing, you go to a therapist, they take out a piece of paper and a pen, they write notes, you, t- you spill your guts, you know, and you're like, and I say this, I said this to you, I think it's like going out on a blind date with somebody. And you're like, you know, right away, you're like, I don't really like like this person, but I'm going to have to sit down. I've only gone on like one blind date in my life, by the way, I've been married and with my husband so long. But I do remember my one blind date and I was like, oh, no, how do I get out of this the minute I sat down? And that's kind of I've been through that journey in therapy as well, like you have. So you basically sit down, you're like, okay, I paid money for this session, spill my guts. They always go, oh my God, or they don't say, oh my God, that's Megan Judge. But they say, I I am so sorry to hear what you have gone through, like a computer, like a, like a robot, take a bunch of notes, and then it's on to the next session. So I have said, and obviously I talk about Dr. Nay like literally every single episode, but it was really until, you know, I'm in my 40s. It was until I have been in my 40s that I finally found the puzzle piece, which is Dr. Nay to tell me what exactly was was happening to me and get to the root of like what like why I uh, why I am the way that I am and work through all of this past trauma which has been like physical therapy for my brain just like you and I talk about and the next step is once I get past the the therapy part which I'm still in is I come to you and we work on all of the like all of the other stuff right so yeah yeah. So and like I a hundred percent agree with you on the whole therapy thing. And and by the way, which I should mention is I by no means am a professional. There's things that are said on this show that are could be triggering for, for somebody. Lynn and I both have experienced suicidal thoughts. We're both I'm in still in the midst of therapy. Lynn is on the other side. But we're both like very open about like reach out to either of us. We always want to help other people that might be struggling because there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. And the thing that's really cool right now in my own life is that I am actually at a point where I've met like incredible people and and they've like kind of just been like thrown into my life and I'm starting to like come out the other side. So I, I, I love that you shared that 
that that story about therapy. So how did you get to the point when you actually found like the fit like I did? Right. So I, I'm going to go back to what you touched on, the dating, because I just want to bring this into it and then I'll answer that. But yes, you lay down the money, you lay down the commitment, you say you're going to show up, then there's a cancellation fee if you don't show up or if even if you walk in the door and go, oh, at first sight, you know whether or not you want this and you're like, this is not going to be a good fit. And then you... If you walked out, you have to pay. If you don't walk out, it's like all the responsibility is on you. And there's no out. I'm going to be completely honest. There was only one time that I found somebody that really resonated with me and understood what I was going through. And I have to say that I think that the whole industry is changing within that. And they're becoming less that I'm just going to sit here and listen. And they're becoming more interactive and understanding that there needs to be feedback. There needs to be interaction between client and patient, I, I'm pa patient and doctor. And I never really found it. I never really found anyone that I had that connection to. But I will say Therapy is a necessity to learning the tools to get through trauma. I learned them. I got them. I got what I needed out of it. But there was a point in my life when, like, I was standing in my office, and you know this story, but I got to this point where I was standing in my corner office. And this the, was this was after college where you had, like, before yes. you talk about standing in your office, go back into what you were doing because you did rise the ranks of corporate mm, America as yeah. a woman, as a woman. Yes. So I did the whole thing. I went to university. I worked my way up the corporate ladder. I kept looking for more money for happiness. I had this beautiful job with an amazing company and I I was a corporate American executive. I was making multiple six figures. I had a great apartment, a nice boyfriend, San Francisco opera tickets, you know, like it looked fantastic. But on the inside, I was so stressed out and full of fr frustration and anxiety. I was every day at lunch, I would emotionally eat. And then by three o'clock, I was already planning on what girlfriends I was going to go out with and what we're, where were we going to go and what we were going to drink. And the next morning I'd wake up and beat myself up and I'm a runner. I'm a marathoner. I would like punish myself. You have to go run such and such amount of miles. And I'd have shame and guilt and do it all over again, over and over. And, and all of a sudden one day I used to love looking out of my 44th floor window because it overlooked the Golden Gate Bridge. And it was this beautiful scene that would roll in every three o'clock. And those that have lived in San Francisco know this, like the fog comes in through the bay and it kind of looks, it's creepy, but beautiful. And I used to enjoy that. And all of a sudden this one day I was standing there and I was like, the world was collapsing around me. I was full. I was depressed. I was overwhelmed. I was so incredibly sad and feeling alone. I looked at myself and I was like, how the hell did I get here? Like, I can't even imagine how I worked. I can't even remember how I got to this point in my life. I was, I felt like this biggest imposter. 
And all of a sudden I realized that I had climbed the wrong mountain. I was here on this earth from an early age I knew to change lives, to help others, not to fricking help corporations. So what did you, what did you, by the way, I mean, we've, we've talked about this and I've talked to my audience about the fact that I was in corporate America and the whole story of my panic attacks and I just couldn't do it anymore. I was like, I went to a psychic and he was basically, he said this to me, it's Tim Braun, who's in Newport, uh, California, who I love. And he said, he looked at me and he said, if you keep doing this, you're going to get sick. You're going to, you're going to die. You're going to get cancer. And I was like, oh my God, like, that's really scary. On top of the like horrible, horrible panic attacks, but our two stories align so much because I was, I tell the story of being at the beach that day, which is my happy place, just like San Francisco, lo- overlooking that bridge and that fog. And at the, like, I can picture it perfectly. Mine was sitting at the beach with my two babies that I'm, that I love. And I just was like, uh-uh, like, I'm not leaving this way. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to end my life. I'm going to get my act together and I'm going to do something with my life. And it sounds to me like that was your exact point that you decided like, goodbye. Am I right? Like goodbye to this life on to like what my real self is supposed to be doing. Yeah. I looked at it and I realized, you know, Therapy is not the answer this time. I have to, if I want my life to change, I have to change. And so that's what I decided. I gave myself priority to take charge of my own healing instead of trying to rely on others to do it, because that's what I'd been doing. So I took responsibility for my own healing. I prioritized me. And I don't want the audience to think that Oh, and then I left corporate America and everything was great because it took me 10 years to experiment, find out what worked, find out, you know, what was next, what doesn't work, what works, what mentors are great. How am I going to do this? Because it's not only that I'm leaving and building, climbing an entirely new mountain. So I was going to start my own business. I was going to figure out what it was that I was here for, but I also needed to heal. So it took me a decade to iron out all those details and figure out what works to put together my rapid recovery method. So I don't want people to think, oh, she changed her mind. And then everything fell together for her. Yeah. Like the next day you're like, yeah, the next day you're like, like I'm leaving San Francisco and I'm going to start my business. Like it doesn't work like that. You have to put work into whatever you're doing in life. But if, if it's something you're meant to be doing, I mean, I'm very like, like you, I believe in the secret and like just things start to come to you, but nothing falls into your lap. You have to work hard at, you know, getting to the place and doing with your life what you're supposed to be doing, right? You have to completely heal. Like you have to let go of that past and understand that you did like every single one of us is here for a reason and we just got sideswiped. We just forgot what we're here for. And we have to go through these hard lessons sometimes. Everything that, every single thing that I experienced, everything that I went through was for the reason. And that reason is what I'm doing now. 
I could not be helping women heal and completely let go if I wouldn't have had to go through that journey myself. So what are you, what exactly do you, I mean, I know we touched on it in the beginning. So tell me like once you left San Francisco and you started to build your business, you got married, like you're like, correct. Like, or were you already married? Oh, so that was a long time ago. That okay. was in the nineties. So oh, I got okay. married okay. and then I got a divorce because I wasn't completely healed. Right. So I yeah. attracted a shitty man into my life and then that he wasn't shitty. It was a shitty relationship. I should say that like our dynamic was hard. It was just awful. Um, because we were still, I was still operating from a very wounded subconscious, a very wounded heart. So the process was crazy. So I left San Francisco and I went back to Georgia and I got married, got divorced and then was single for a long time. And then I found my husband, my now husband. Um, How long have you guys been together? Oh God. I hate when people ask that because I'm terrible with numbers. (laughs) I'm thinking he's, he's the one that's really good with numbers. I'm like big picture. He's like detail oriented. So I think we met in 2007 okay, or 2008. If it makes you feel any better, I never know like what my actual anniversary is like of how many years too. like, I'm always like, how many years have we been together? And he knows and I don't. So um, I, I can relate to that. But, but I think what you said is and I've said this before in the podcast is if you like if you're not fully healed you can't bring you can't bring yourself into a relationship with another human being right not a good one not a good one although I will say for me my husband and I met so young in our 20s that we really have grown up together and, and don't get me wrong, like we fight like cats and dogs, but he is my like best friend. And, and he also like, he kind of like filled the shoes of like, like this sounds weird, but my dad in a lot of ways, because I just needed, like, I know anytime I need advice, even though I don't want to hear it. Right. Or anytime I need somebody to cheer me on or I need like I luck I really honestly lucked out like I hit the jackpot with him and I hope he never listens to this podcast because I'm trying to give him a hard time about my Mother's Day present so I'm trying to pretend like he's not that nice but anyway I, I love I love what you said that you know you have to work on yourself and a lot of times relationships don't necessarily work out because what you bring to the relationship is if you're not whole, how can you be whole for somebody else? Right. Mm, Yes. And by the time I met my husband now, things had started to change, but really the deep lessons that I began to unravel and the deep dives started happening after we got married. And I was on the journey alone, alone for a few years. And when I'm coaching women in my programs, a big part of it is relationships, because when one person is evolving and growing and healing and the other one is not, 
it can really add some complications to your commitment to things. And it's understanding that I have no control over anyone. I can't force anyone to change. I can't ask anyone to change for me. But luckily, luckily, I shouldn't say that. I talked to my husband a few times during that process about him needing to get on the evolution wagon before we had to have a come to Jesus moment. And today I had a huge aha. I was doing an interview on a another podcast today, and it's about the masculine feminine energy. And it's a gentleman that is doing it with a male audience. And he was saying, you can't, a man is not going to change if he sees the evolution in his partner. That's not going to make him want to change. The only thing that will get a man to change is a fear of losing something. And sometimes even then he won't. So I, it, it totally aligned with my story because I had to sit my husband down and say, as much as we're supposed to be together, if you don't start this journey, if you don't embark on this, you're going to lose me. And I was completely serious because I saw that crossroad coming. But mm-hmm. my husband said, oh, shit. I better get on that wagon. And he joined and man, he is like just as expansive as I am. So, well, that's amazing. That. Like, it's kind of like sometimes I think in life um, and I'm obviously very spiritual and I believe in God, but I think that you're, you're given like a, a, I believe that life is like a series of tests, right? And you're given all these tests. And then at the end of your life, you're, you're supposed to go through like whatever tests you were supposed to go through. And then that's the end of your life. But you also have people that come into your life. And like, for me, my biggest gifts are my fam, my husband and my two, my two babies, my two daughters. And they're like the light of my life. But I, yeah, I mean, it's like, he, thankfully, Ron, my husband is also like kind of like had bought into like working on himself a few years ago when I was still in this really bad, bad place. And then I've kind of and he would be like, Megan, you need to start journaling. You need to like write your gratitudes every day. And I was all like, I'm not doing that because I was still in a really dark, dark place now I've started to come along. So in our situation, it's the, it's the opposite, but it, but you're right. If you don't have buy-in for both partners, one's going in one direction, the other one's staying stagnant. There's no way to work that out. And, and men are from Mars and women are from Venus. And you have to understand that when women and men are never going to be the same, you know, like I'll, I'll ask my husband sometimes, and I know this is like sidetracking a little bit, but I'll be like, you know, I'm like you and I love to chat, you know, so I'll be like, oh, my God, like, blah, 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 blah. And he's just like, doesn't like they don't understand. They don't work that way. They don't want to talk about their feelings. And I always want to talk about feelings. Right. I'm super lucky because my husband, he embarked on this journey and he's super duper expansive. I knew that he's a very ancient soul. Like he's a, he's an ancient wise soul. And so when he started this journey, he was just like a bat out of hell and he get, he's like super expansive. So we will sit down 
and talk about the transformations that we're going through. I'm lucky for that. It's a very precious part of our routine in the morning to talk about what's opening up to us, what possibilities, where we're making shifts, how that's happening with us. We're incredibly cosmic. Like like you said at the beginning of the co- the podcast, I'm uh, not of this world. And I truly believe that all of us are not of this world. Are I, you, are you, spi- like, I know you're spiritual, but are you, like, w- explain what spirituality looks like to you. And I always ask people, like, do you believe in signs? Because I'm huge on signs. I talk about it a lot on the podcast. What, what Where do you stand on that? I'm so I'm not dogmatic. I don't believe in dogma. And I kind of I stopped using the term spiritual because it's also become so dogmatic. I believe that we're all cosmic beings. I believe in the higher and bigger picture. And yes, we're always being led by signs. The signs that I believe in are always the signs that we recognize are telling us that we're going in the right direction. And I I could go super cosmic in this. Like I don't, time is a social construct. And our three-dimensional reality that in which we have been living for decades before now, we're now in the 5D. When you move into the 5D, we're all as human beings becoming more intuitive, becoming We're starting to feel our way through life instead of thinking our way through life. Mm -hmm. We're starting to step into that, especially with the age of Aquarius. We're starting to step into this knowing that there's more than this physical body. This is not the whole of us. It's the pinky finger of our existence. It's it's our... Yeah. Yeah. It's like our souls. I, I like I think a little bit differently than you, but I'm always open to like whatever people's like anything that puts you on the path of like doing right and do it and being kind and spiritual. I say spirituality because that's my word that I, you know, but I love, I love that idea. Um, I, I joke a lot on the podcast that at the end of COVID, it's going to be like the movie hair. Everyone's going to be like dancing on in the streets naked. So when you said age of Aquarius, all I kept thinking of was the movie hair. (laughs) So this age of Aquarius is so different from the other ones because people are becoming more intuitive and it is like, we all have a different word for the same thing. When I'm coaching women, I tell them, I don't care if it's, if you call it God, universe, source, collective consciousness, I am whatever it is, it's right for you. And it's aligned for you right where you are. And that's why I don't attach to dogma. I don't care if someone does. If someone's a Christian, that's their prerogative. That's their journey. That's what they are attached to. But I don't attach to it because it's not in my belief system. I believe that we're bigger. And one thing that I tell people is because our physical brain, like we're operating so much from our physical brain. And this is a trigger for a lot of people. God didn't create us in his image. We created him in ours. Because we're trying to utilize this physical brain, this three-dimensional brain, to create an idea of what God is. And it is bigger than any of us. 
How can mm-hmm. we comprehend it as a human being? How can you wrap your mind around the capability of what God, universe, or any of that has for you? It's true. Um, you know, uh, when you say that, it kind of like, I'm in a, I, I talked about this in my last podcast too. Um, so my my aunt is, is in hot, in hospice right now and she's very sick and um my sister is you know in dc my whole family's back in dc and they um i haven't been back so part of it is i could have gone um i probably i could have gone before covid and i talked to my husband about this yesterday but there's a something with me where I'm really, it brings me back to my childhood to see somebody sick and dying in a, in a hospital and frail and not themselves. So I think I kind of like, because that's what I experienced seeing my dad. And I, so I think I kind of like ran from that. And, um, yesterday I think you and I were texting with each other and I was, you were laughing cause I was like, Oh, I'm going and getting a pedicure. And you're like, Oh my God, you're such a princess, which I am. And, I was in my car before I went to get the pedicure and I just like burst out crying because I hadn't really like connected the fact that like I didn't see my aunt at the end of her life. And then my sister was telling me over a text yesterday that they're going to be performing last rites on her. And at the end of somebody's life, you're, it's an interesting thing because it's like for me, I pray a lot. So I'm like, well, what do I pray for? She's got, you know, she's she's got dementia. She's in diapers. She's falling out of bed. She knocked out a tooth. She's on hospice. She is not supposed to be of this earth anymore. Like she's supposed to go to heaven. And for me, heaven is like not of it's so huge that nobody can understand it but in my own mind i i understand what you're saying because it's like i think that she is at the end of our lives we're so lucky because if we really like work on ourselves as human beings like you obviously have and you're given back and you know you're not you're doing like helping others and doing all the things that you are doing, then you don't have a fear of talking about dying and not of being of this planet. And that's, that's like the most important thing. It's like, we're here for a short, short period of time. Like in a a blink of an eye, I had my 11 year old. I, I just feel like I just had her and she's already 11. And, you know, we're all dying. We're all in the process of leaving these bodies. So what's really important is the soul and and the purpose for being here. So everything you're saying, and I'm sorry to go off on that tangent, is so true and so and so important. So I'll go off on a tangent then. <laughs> go ahead. It's your. It's I've taken over the interview, but it's it's all so, about you today. So yes, here's the thing. Everyone has a fear of death. We're taught it from a very early age. And this is one thing that I help women move through and get through because we all have this fear of death because we are so tunnel vision in what this human body is. We don't, we say we know that we are, we have a soul, that when we die, it's not over. We say that all the time, but we don't know it. We don't know it to our core that when we transition, I don't use the word death a lot. 
sometimes I'll use it colloquially because that's how society says, you know, when you pass over, but you transition, you pass on, you leave this earth, this earthly body, but there's more than just this body. But everyone I ever work with, everyone I know has had a fear of death. I had a fear of death. I had to work through that. I had to come into this knowing that this physical body that I have in this one lifetime is so valuable that every single moment, I love it 100%. I appreciate it and accept it no matter what the situation is, 100%. Because when you do that, you start to realize, I only have this little bit of time in this. I want to take care of it. I want to love it. I want to, I don't care how it's performing as long as I can do what's right for it right now. So a lot of your, your audience probably doesn't know this, but I was involved in a very serious car wreck last August that left me unable to walk for seven months and completely not walk. Not just like, oh, she can't maneuver. I had to lay with my leg up and immobile. And really sharing that experience with my audience, with the people that I'm coaching to let them understand that it doesn't matter that I couldn't walk. I needed to do exactly what my body needed in order to enable it to walk in the future. I had to love my body through the transitions that it was going to go through over seven months. When you let go of your attachment to the outcome and understand that even if I can't walk, even if I can't go to the gym, I have to love and accept my body where I am right now and understand that this is the power of creating and be happy with it. I tell my, I have a mantra that I tell myself every day and it came to me in a download during the whole process of loving and accepting the fact that I was going to go through a really long journey over the next 12 months. And I have this connection to water and I was like, oh my God, like I am a river. I am earth. I am sky. I am the universe. I am galaxies. I am. Yeah, that's pretty. That that means that you're really at peace with where you are on this planet and what you're supposed to be doing. How are you? I know you're you were a marathon runner. I used to run marathons too, by the way. Um, I will be again. I am you will be again. I love that you said that. You weren't, you weren't, were, you're going to again. Mm-hmm. I maybe will not, <laughs> but it's really because I really don't want to because I've done, you know, like I'm one of those top people that has like, I'm going to do this and then I do it and then I'm done. So I think I did two fulls and I did a half and then I think I'm done. But I, yeah, I might not go back to holes. I might just stick yeah. to halves. It depends on my physical body, how it wants to act. Well, but. I love that you're determined and that's amazing. Um, I wanted to ask you really quickly again, if people want to find you, where do they find you? So they can find me at thecosmicvalkyrie.com and it's the cosmic and Valkyrie is spelled V A L. K-Y-R-I-E.com. And they can find my podcast. They can listen to my podcast at the Cosmic Valkyrie podcast. I'm all over social media. And and it friend me. I always accept friends 
reach out to me. I'm always willing to talk to people. I have a Facebook group full of like-minded women on this earth to help each other heal, grow, and evolve. So um, I'm not sure when this podcast is, but I have a 10-week, 10x rapid recovery masterclass that I launch four times a year and the doors will be opening for that. And if they're not get on the wait list so that you can find out when it's happening again. Okay. I love that you're doing all of that stuff. And this is why we were supposed to connect, but on a, on a vanity note, cause I'm going to close the show on a vanity note. Cause you know that I like, I'm a lit, I'm a little bit vain. Love, love to um, love the Botox Love the spray tanning, love the anything I can do, teeth whitening, anything, anything, anything. So I'm going to tell my audience about a product called M61. It is a Hydra Boost Body Butter Gradual Tan. And I'm talking about this today. You can get it at Blue Mercury, which I love. So find the Blue Mercury near you. You can also order it online. But this is the only tanning lotion that I have ever found that does not make you look like a zebra. And it gives you a really good like tint. It's really moisturizing. And so I just wanted to give a quick shout out to M61. If you want to send me a bunch of um, product or have me be your spokesmodel, I am available and my audience can again, in closing, follow me at Judging Megan on Instagram. And my website is Megan, or sorry, that's not my website. My website is judgingmegan.com. Send me your messages and please listen and subscribe. And if you actually like me, leave me a review. If you don't like me, don't leave me a review. Don't ever listen again and peace and go be happy on your way. So thank you so much. I love you to pieces. You are amazing. I love that you came into my life. I love our little thing that we have going. We co-mod a, a clubhouse room on Mondays. If you're in clubhouse, you can follow us. And in closing, keep living, keep praying, and keep growing. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.